Oh boy, talk about a technicality. That's what Minister Lisa Bear is hanging her whole defense on when it comes to the allegation that she misled the legislature about that new freedom of information legislation. Let's break it all down with Vaughn Palmer now from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. Okay, I was I read through her, you know, response to the allegations yesterday and I thought, boy, we are really splitting some hairs here, aren't we? Is that the best you can do, Minister? So the opposition accused Lisa Beer earlier this week of misleading the legislature about this now notorious $10 fee for access to information. And the minister gets the right of reply, of course, and she got up at 5.15 yesterday. So end of the day, not exactly the top of the news lineup. And she, well, it's really interesting what she did. She kind of admitted all and denied all at the same time. So she admitted didn't dispute that all through the debate last fall on the fee for application for access to information, it's the first ever fee in B.C. history, she admitted that all through the debate on the law that would allow that, she refused to discuss the fee because she said the fee hadn't been set yet. It wouldn't be set till after the law passed right. and the cabinet would do it. She also admitted that she said repeatedly during all that debate that the government was listening to its critics. She also admitted, <laughs> this is the best part, she admitted that within a few hours of the legislature adjourning, she signed a cabinet order setting the fee at 10 bucks. And she admitted that way back in October, so a month before all that happened, she had uh, made an interim decision on the fee. So it sounds to me, up to that point, like guilty as charged. She hasn't disputed anything the opposition right. pointed out. Okay, well, but... Then she says... No, no, you misunderstood me. She basically says the opposition, like, wasn't listening to what she actually said, that the fee wasn't set till the session was over. She wasn't, she was listening until she didn't, and they just didn't read between the lines. You know, it's sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know, don't just listen to what I'm telling you, sort of listen to what I'm not telling you. So the minister's defense, as I understand it, is that she is certainly not a liar, and uh, that's she said. I'm, you know, she didn't mislead the house deliberately. She's just a sneak. She was playing rhetorical tricks on the opposition, and they were too dumb to figure it out that this was coming. And uh, what's your problem? <laughs> This requires a level of moxie, Vaughn, that I have not heard of in some time at the provincial level. Well, you know, the two fundamentals in all this is, first of all, John Horgan's comment way back during the debate, who cares? The New Democrats are so confident these days that they don't think anybody gives a damn about this. Uh, The other thing we should note is that a great honor was conferred on the B.C. government this week by the Canadian Association of Journalists. So they gave them basically uh, their Cone of Silence Award, their, their, you know, government of silence, refusing to tell the public what's going on. And they did it in connection with this legislation, not just the fee, but the way the NDP changed our access to information law to suit themselves. So, hey, we're famous right across the country. The Premier thinks nobody cares. I guess in the middle of a pandemic and all the other stuff we're dealing with, 
Uh, he's probably right about that, but it doesn't flatter his government, and the minister sure didn't flatter herself with that performance yesterday. But the problem with that attitude, Vaughn, that, oh, people aren't paying attention to that, is that if you do it repeatedly, yep. it adds up, and then all yep. of a sudden people do care. Yeah, I think you're right, Simi. I think governments, you know, set down impressions of themselves and leaders do like sort of layers of sediment. And John Horgan clearly has earned very high polling numbers by the way he handled things like the pandemic and the changes he brought in government. The 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 thing that they would need to worry about is that you can change impressions by getting overconfident, by getting arrogant. Just to ask the B.C. Liberals, it took them sort of 16 years to lose their legislative majority. Uh, the New Democrats, there's two roads ahead of this, and the kind of behavior around the access to information thing is not good for their future. A lot of the other stuff they've done, yeah, I think the public is right about that. I seem to remember that that was an attitude that the previous government took, too, yeah, until sure. it became insurmountable that these little things added up. Yeah. No, I mean, Christy Clark surprised everybody, including me, by winning the 2013 election. And the public was impressed with her as a leader. And, you know, it, she let it go to her head. Uh, the Liberals took it for granted, and they ran a terrible election campaign four years later. They lost their legislative majority. And the party still hasn't recovered. So, yes, you know, you get stuff right. Got to be the careful. The public is generous. You can also throw it all away. Yeah, let's talk uh, about the other issue, too. Uh, the, we had the mayor of Lytton on yeah. yesterday uh, and talking to him. It's quite clear it's been one thing after another in Lytton, but it sounds like things might finally be moving in terms of government help. Yeah, so the government brought in a bill this week, a little over $8 million. It's essentially money to save the village government, restore their records, uh, make up for the fact that there's obviously no property tax revenue, pay staff and all that. It's important. But, you know, the opposition pointed out, I thought, very effectively in the House this week. They voted, they voted for the bill, obviously. But, you know, it's been seven months since Lytton was destroyed by fire. And several of the opposition members pointed out that the town is still full of debris Really, there's been no rebuilding at all in Lytton. There's all kinds of reasons for that. One of the most interesting things the New Democrats pointed out was they looked at Fort McMurray, Alberta, which a huge chunk of the town was destroyed by fire in May of 2016. By fall, under an NDP government, Rachel Notley, that town had already started rebuilding. Within six months building permits were let, the town was going up. There's all kinds of reasons why we haven't gotten there yet in BC, but seriously, this thing is taking way longer than it should. Yeah, and it's so, and it's not like one thing happened to this town, right? It's like multiple things happened to this town, and they can't even get an environmental assessment done on where they should build, what they're going to need to build, how much this is going to cost. Yeah, no, it's incredibly bureaucratic, and of course, uh, as the mayor pointed out, the great concern of, of homeowners there, of course, is that the, the clock is ticking on insurance. You have to start rebuilding to collect your insurance within a couple of years. And they're, they're really worried that, you know, that's thing. The other thing, and the mayor, I know, talked about this, and, and it was brought up in the legislature yesterday. The great concern is that people will get on with their lives. 
they'll move away from Lytton and never come back because exactly. nothing is happening. That's one of the reasons that the Alberta NDP government said, let's get going on rebuilding Fort McMurray right away. And they got in there and they started doing it. And I think, you know, the Horgan government's full of excuses on this, but it doesn't change the timeline for that village. Will it ever survive this? Will it ever recover? I think that's in doubt. I, I really also feel like this emphasizes how important that new legislation is about emergency management in this province. Yeah. And if we can yeah. set up a process by which this what happened to Lytton doesn't happen again, then we should try to learn from it. Yes, but that legislation is delayed. Oh, the government was uh, going to be ready with it, and they're now saying wait till the fall. So, you know... Uh, you know, I, I, as I said, you can you can hear the excuses. Uh, Mike Farmworth got up in the House yesterday and said, look, the reason we haven't removed all the debris from Lytton is because the highway got washed away. Highway 1 got washed away, so we can't get in there. Um, the reason they can't get stuff done is because of the Heritage Act. They have to examine every piece of property. I mean, there are all kinds of bureaucratic reasons. Right. But, but if I'm sleeping on a couch... In Penticton, as some of the residents of Lytton are, or in Kamloops, seven months after my town was obliterated, am I going to listen to the excuses, or am I going to go find a job somewhere else and go live somewhere else? That is the big question. All right, thank you so much, Vaughn. Bye-bye.